Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, Kroll and Titans? This is Steven, your host with Phantology Podcast, along with my lifelong friends, Josh and Ryan, here to talk about the conclusion of the Night Angel trilogy, Beyond the Shadows by Brent Weeks. And we have, uh, what, over the last couple months, one month? How long has it been? Josh and I have read the whole trilogy. Ryan's done a reread, so we should be somewhat fresh and knowledgeable Uh, with our opinions on the series and of course preparing for night angel nemesis which will be a continuation of the story which is coming out in about a month probably about the by the time that we release this episode so that all out of the way yeah ryan um i sorry i interrupted i do you guys think that this is one of the fastest uh we've gotten a trilogy like our our fantology videos about a trilogy done. I feel like usually that we have quite long breaks as we read it, like trilogies, we'll switch to other books and then mm. come back. I mean, from like, from time that we started the book to when we've recorded to when we've released and got, yeah, I think so. It's up there. Yeah. It's gotta be up there. We, okay. we knocked this out. Yeah. I think powder mage may have gone pretty fast. I don't know. We've had other long and- series too. Powder Mage was like three years ago. I, yeah. I have no, I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe that kind of reflects the pace of the books a bit, how how fast they are. Do you guys think so? Yeah, I mean, I think it's also in large part driven by our desire to get them out before <laughs> Night Angel <laughs> Nemesis comes out. <laughs> I think that my reading them fast was a result of the pace. Yeah, I agree, right? I, I think that um, there's a lot of factors that make the, these easy like bingeable books. Part of that, one thing I don't think we've talked about is I think the narration has been really strong, which I want to pull uh, pull up the name of the narrator. I don't know if you guys agree with this, but. That's kind of ironic, right? Because I remember, Brian, you were telling us that they're all going to be re-recorded by Simon yes. Vance. Yes. Because he's going to do the fourth book. Simon Vance of Vance Refrigeration will be <laughs> re-recording these three books, which I thought that, I thought they were going to release these the trilogy before. It, I, I'm probably I'm obviously wrong because they haven't. But they were. I thought they were going to re-release the Simon Vance recordings before. But I agree, Josh. I don't think that this narrator did anything wrong, um, or I don't think it was a bad narration by any means. It's just preference, I guess. I think. Maybe Brent Weeks and some other members. Maybe he's gotten feedback that people prefer Simon Vance. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. This is it was Paul Bomer, I think is how you say his last name. He looks like he was in a Star like Star Trek. He's, so he's an actor. Okay. It looks like he did at some point. He did the like Assassin's Apprentice, the Robin Hood books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know hmm. if there's like another narrator for those books, but. Yeah, I I don't know. I thought I thought he did a really good job, and honestly, it was a a 
contributing factor to the uh, binginess of the books in the way in the audiobook format for me. I was looking forward to his performance. Well, good. Hopefully, uh, Paul Bemer, Bomer. I, I, yeah, B O E H M E R. If uh, if you're out there, if you're listening to us or somebody <laughs> who knows him, let him know that he did a good job. Yeah, we liked we liked his recordings. At least Josh and I did. I think Stephen primarily read the book. No, actually, I, I listened to these. I didn't. Oh. I didn't read these. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought the narration was fine. I'm not too picky on the narration. Usually narration is like, yeah, it's good. And then every now and then it's just really good and it's worth mentioning. Otherwise it's just. Yeah. I think most of the time it's like, it's kind of like the prose, you know, like, you know, how Brandon Sanderson likes for his prose to just be like invisible almost. It's, I think most narrators are good at, you know, kind of like fading in or fading in the black, just communicating Mm -hmm. the story fading into yep. the black isn't really yeah just like of. directly directly wiring into your brain and giving you the yeah. story without standing in the way of it yeah sure. yeah some like embellish and improve on the story which is rare and some uh also rare takeaway with you know poor performances or distractions or whatever so yeah are we going to cover just what we thought about the book in general or do you want to get right into spoilers yeah what you guys think? yeah the, yeah yeah what do you think what do you think the last book for me i think it was it was fine. It was good. I liked it. I think it it didn't do anything to like super elevate the series for me. Um, it was about in line with the other books. Um, I thought that the ending was solid. I thought that all the characters had good arcs. I think that it showed that that Brent Weeks like knew knows how to do endings, which I know I know uh the Lightbringer series has a much more I, I'd imagine that's like a lot more de- divisive ending than this one was. This one didn't seem like he took too many risks with it's, ending. It's very divisive. Yeah. Um, from what I've seen other people say on Lightbringer. And I wasn't yeah. I, I wasn't too happy, honestly, with the, the ending of Lightbringer. I, I liked it, but I think that this one was a much safer ending for the series. Like he didn't really he pulled everything together well, um, tied up loose ends. I think as an ending, I liked it a lot more than as the book as a whole, maybe. Like I thought that there were um just similar issues to what the others had. But I think it was it was a good book. It, it ended up a good series and a good book, and I'm happy I read them. Yeah, I think I had similar feelings that I think that things were wrapped up in a way that I liked. I do think that this book kind of continues the trend of the series in that it explores a lot. Like It kind of bites off a lot of different storylines, but it doesn't necessarily digest them and... Mm. Uh, like fully in a way that I was uh, thrilled. I I think, I think it was just a lot of very interesting um, things and I'll go more into what I'm talking about in the spoiler. There are a lot of different interesting storylines that I think could have had potential to really be expanded. So there was some lost potential there. I'll say, I think the resolution for the characters was fine and safe and and yeah, I'm I'm fine with how it ended for everyone. I th- I think that was all good and fine. But I think I'm more with you, Ryan, as far as like the way that we got to the ending. This book just yeah, I, I like your phrasing of saying that a bit off more than it can chew. Honestly, I think it kind of went off the rails towards the end. It was just like so much. There were there are literally seven different armies coming all together, and my main issue. I don't know if I should go into this now. 
or not? Yeah, let's let's wait. Let's wait till the spoilers okay. just to be safe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what you're gonna say, but yeah. Right, sure, sure. That's fine. Overall, I think the book was fine. It was probably about as good as the other ones, which I all thought were were basically just fine. But I, I thought the ending and just like the pacing throughout this book was not as good. There was a long stretch in the middle where everyone was just kind of like sitting around and and then all of a sudden we were like into the conflict and I wasn't even really sure what the conflict was exactly until we got there. And then all of a sudden, like everyone was there and it was just, it was, it was a little hectic for me. I would have liked it to be maybe a little more, you know, I, I don't know, just, just, yeah, the pacing. I really agree with that. I think, and again, I think that's why I think the very, I think my favorite book was book two. I think general ratings is book two, then book three, then book one for me. And I think that that, I think that the reason for that is because book two, like you knew what the conflict was, you knew what it was leading up to for most of the book was leading up to that. It had, it prom, mm-hmm. it like had payoffs to the promises that the book was making for all the characters. And, and then this one, yeah, like you, you just, like you said, it just was very congested, maybe is a good word for it. And it didn't really need to be, there were some plot lines that like you could just tell was literally like moving a piece into place and like coming up with characters and relationships that like you didn't really care too much about just to like move pieces into place for things to happen. Um, and we can get more into that in spoilers, but. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Book two did a much better job of saying, here's the big thing here. The, the God King, the Caldorans are a problem. We're going to fight with them. Stuff's going to happen. And it did. And you know, I didn't think book two was a perfect book, but I think it, did, it really did a good job of accomplishing what it promised as a book. And in this book three, I just was never even really sure. Like I had no clear idea what we were moving towards the whole time, which just kind of made my reading every time a little confusing. As I, yeah. I want to get into spoilers. Is there anything else that you guys want to say about with, without spoilers? If you've read book no. one and two, if okay, if you've read book yeah. one and two and you're wondering if you should read book three, yeah, read book three, you know, get the ending. If you enjoyed them. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, yes. I mean, I think there's very few trilogies that I've read where I would say if you've read book one and two, book three was so horrible that it's not even worth reading to finish the series. No, but like, yeah, but but on the flip side, if you didn't really like book one and you didn't really like book two, then I'm not, then like this isn't going to redeem the series for you, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think what you said earlier where it was about the same quality and enjoyment and style and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Ryan, tell us your spoilers. Well, I mean, I just wanted there there are so many like storylines that were like that I thought like I said were interesting but weren't really explored fully or like I don't know even half as much as I think they should have been explored. Mm-hmm. I I thought that like Solon's storyline was cool, but like like I said it was, you know, very sudden where you know, he, I, I liked how he had this prophecy where he was going to kill his brother. And so he needed, if he returned, if he returned to his kingdom. And so he didn't want to kill his brother. So he didn't go back, but it turns out like he should have killed his brother. Like that's what the kingdom needed. So like, because of that, there was all this turmoil and like the girl he loved was just like went through so much. And then like him coming back there kind of throws uh, everything into a spin and it was it was kind of cool like 
he ends up marrying her and then like he goes out on his own and like conquers like all these different places and then like kind of gains like all these followers but it's basically like told to you none of it's like shown it's just like solon was a one-man army and then like he goes out and he conquers one island and then all these people are like the storm riders yeah let's join him and so it's like he has this cool legend this cool story but like it's you know it's it's summed up it's so that's one thing i can think of the other thing i can think of is like the all the the kakaris like the white kakari which ended up playing into things like at the end we like it wasn't really explored that much except for like a couple lines in this book where it was like oh yeah the, the white kakari was lost we don't really know where it's at and then like suddenly you learn that's Kali, which I do kind of like the twist is that like Kali uh, was, uh, had the Kakari at one point. It was a little strange that like it ended up being Durzo's love interest. I thought that was cool. Um, I'm, I'm like throwing these out. I don't know if we should stop and discuss yeah, each one. I want to, I, I want to throw in my two cents about Solon. Yeah. Okay. I think that this, this character was like, Used as a catch-all for things that Brent Weeks like wanted to explore, but like didn't really want to fully commit to, or didn't really make, know if the themes made sense in the story. Like, here's this guy who like, okay, I feel like this is like a really cool character, and you see this done better, I think, in Lightbringer. But like, here's a character where you you see through their perspective that they're like a good person, but then like they start slowly doing bad, like worse Wait, and you're worse. You're thinking of Dorian. Oh, am I thinking of Dorian? Uh, yeah, Dorian is the one. Sorry, yeah, who... the one that uh, married. Uh, okay, my bad, my bad. We we'll we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, I was thinking of Dorian. I can I can jump in on Solon because yeah. I agree with sure, your summary sure. there, Ryan. It just it it was so compressed. Like the things that were happening were interesting, and I think it was initially set up pretty cool, and then just like the whole latter half of that plot line was just so rushed in, and then by the end. I was just kind of left thinking like, what is the point of this for the larger storyline? This seems like an entirely separate story, separate adventure. And it's somehow connected into, you know, the story that we've been reading about for the past two books. And, and yeah, it was just very clunky. I I don't really have much defense for that. I think (laughs) I'm not really sure what happened there with that one. I mean, like I said, I like the story. I think it's cool. I think that would be a cool premise for its own, you know, trilogy where you start off with Solon. He's the heir to an M or maybe not quite the heir because his brother is the heir, but he's almost the heir. And then he like, Mm -hmm. he like discovers this, like the woman he loves might be his sister. And then, you know, and there's all that tension there. And then he ends up leaving and like becoming friends with some people at a mage school and, like, I, I think that has the potential on its own to be very interesting and compelling, but it's, you know, mm. just told to us in not an interesting way. Uh, Josh, do you have anything to input about Solon before I... No, you're good. Going? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Just, just like kind of the same thing. Where like, okay, here's this, like, I, I think I'm thinking of the right... But yeah, where he is like, okay, my wife isn't going to let me. And then like, it's left not knowing... And then now he just shows up where he needs to be after. And somehow his wife like is letting him do what he wants to do now. I think of the right thing. 
Yeah, that yeah, yeah. yeah. you think because his wife end. his wife is like, Don't leave me again. And yeah, he's like and then he's like, Okay, okay I won't, I won't. And then like and, and then yeah, he shows then, up suddenly with an yeah, army. Yeah, it's like uh, okay, yeah. like I did that just that whole thing could have gotten cut. And that, that's why I was meaning like there's these scenes in relationships. This is what I was alluding to earlier, that like of people that you don't really need to care about, and like their whole plot line could have been cut and just like one. Yeah. Have if you're not going to develop them and yeah. fully explore it, then don't include that. I think we, let's next jump into Dorian um, or Sewell. Yeah. And, because I thought that his storyline was one of the more like well-developed as far as like the time spent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do kind of see his like how he justifies like going further and further into yeah. the deep end. This was the most interesting part of the book for sure. See, I... I felt like kind of the opposite. I was, I kind of like cringed a little bit, like a lot of it. I don't know. Dorian, Dorian was kind of cringy for me because I don't know. I guess I didn't like buy some of his justifications or like his self-deceptions were Mm -hmm. like hard for me to be like, like, how could you even think that? I I think it started. Okay. So I think it started off fine with things like justifying marrying Janine in the first place place. I think that like those type of justifications are fine. I think like the justification for keeping the harem, like, okay, th- like it was interesting up until there, but then like just jumps. It's like, okay, now he's like exterminating all the other like children that might challenge him. That's like an Anakin moment, but you're still like meant to <laughs> kind of like uh-huh. uh, sympathize with him. Whereas like, at least with Anakin, you're like, okay, well there's the, like, that's for sure the moment that you know he crossed the line. And with Dorian, it's like, oh yeah, but I'm still a good person. And then he's like, re- like, uh, you know, ass- assaulting a 13 year old girl in front of her dad to like put him in his place. It's like, yeah. no, now you're just like, but it's still treated like, okay, there might be some justifications for this, but there's not, you know, like he's just a bad person. He- well, I think it's also, I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, uh, the, the thing I did find interesting is because like maybe his dad, Gareth or Sewell had been like him, you know, like hopeful to like yeah. better it. But it's because Dorian goes back to using the veer and the veer is like this parasite that corrupts. Also something that's interesting that like maybe kind of could have been explored more. Like maybe if it was like Sanderson writing it, like, you know, yeah, talking yeah. about like how this parasite corrupts and steals or, power or- magic the wheel of time how when men access the they <laughs> uh-huh. slowly go insane uh-huh. yeah. That, yeah that's okay that's a you find that on the first literally the prologue of the wheel of time that's not a spoiler <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not saying that's a spoiler or um really it's just in the tv show you find out right at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah it he was just kind of it, i don't know i I frequently was kind of like cringing, like, and maybe it was like how much he like loved and like lusted after Janine. And, you know, he was like holding her back and she was just kind of like, you have to do what you have to do. So it was like, maybe Mm -hmm. his character just wasn't done in a way that was like convincingly like morally ambiguous to me. Right. I I feel like, I just feel like there's so much potential with this type of character of like taking mm-hmm. a, a good moral person and like slowly corrupting them that like it, it could have been very, very compelling. 
and I, I think those types of characters are really hard to write. They, they're they are hard, and so I'm not I'm not I'm not mad that he tried. And like again, like Stephen said, it is one of the more interesting parts of the book. It's just I feel like it, it there's like so much potential there that like if you were writing it now, which is why I'm really looking forward to this next series because Lightbringer he nails some of these characters, and we're not going to do spoilers for that. But like they like these type of characters that like are very you know gray and kind of self interested and like our start off you think you think that they're bad but they actually like you know okay mm-hmm. maybe they're just doing things for other reasons that you don't know or you think that they're good but then you find out that they're bad like there's a lot of these really really powerful characters in lightbringer so i'm really excited to get back to the for weeks to get back to this world now that he kind of um, has these uh skills under his belt um i want to hear if if steven if there you feel like you have more to share i want to hear why you were interested in Dorian or you found Dorian's storyline to be one of the most interesting I mean I think thematically it was the coolest because this you know like Josh was saying the idea of taking a character that we like quite a bit after two books and slowly corrupting and destroying him like that's a really interesting theme and yeah I mean I don't disagree that it was kind of clunky and we could have used with maybe a little bit smoother transition and and I think maybe Janine was kind of awkward next to him where we were supposed to think she was kind of this like cool, strong woman, but at the same time, she didn't really like ever challenge him or just kind of went along with it. And it was kind of strange why she did, but he was just like keeping her in the dark on some things, but she was just kind of clueless really. So it was kind of hard to really honestly like her too much because she just didn't really seem that capable, but thematically and, you know, the way that, um, the way that it set up the rest of the story, I thought was interesting. Honestly, my biggest issue with the way this played out was because so because we didn't have a clear view as to what like the ending conflict was going to be throughout the book. I just kind of knew from the outset. I mean, as soon as he took over as God King, I was like, okay, this is the conflict. Like he is going to become corrupted, and then there's going to be this like awkward kind of uh you know misunderstanding type standoff maybe between the two armies of the groups that actually you know we as the reader like but they're going to end up fighting each other you know basically because there was no other conflict I was I was under the impression that this was going to happen and so the whole time I, I just kind of assumed that we were going in this direction which I don't know maybe just like took a little bit away from yeah. the the progression of the whole thing I I agree and again, it seems like there's not really as much stakes in, in this one, like even though there's yeah. like all these armies. like. So I think what, what needed to happen was we just needed more commitment to the Nefdata, Verdmeister plotline. There were a few viewpoints into that, but we just needed more of a, um, you know, we just needed more focus on that where these guys are in this location. They are raising this army of, of uh, undead Kroll and they're going to bring this Titan down on the world and like make someone else, you know, the big bad villain type thing, which is kind of what happened with Neftata, but then there wasn't enough commitment. So then by the time that they were all coming together to fight, it just seemed like every plot line had been kind of half-baked and we weren't fully committed in any one direction. And so I was just kind of unsatisfied. Yeah. I'm kind of comparing. Um, oh, go ahead. Right. Well, I, I, I did want to say that one thing I, I did really like about the storyline was the Kroll. I thought that that was like an interesting, like 
the strangers, you know, where like how they're organized in groups of 13. And every time, like once you organize, once you like raise 13, you need to like bring up like a sergeant. And then after that, you like get like 13 units of that. And then you need like a lieutenant or um, mm -hmm. whatever, whatever it was. And then like, you know, you have this big bad guy or in the past who like raised, I don't know, like 13 million or something like 13 groups of 13 or 13 level, like 13 to the power of 13 or something. Yeah. That, right? Some, some like it was in the millions. It was yeah. like millions of undead. The and then he got Kali. Yeah. That's and so much. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Not 13 to the power of 13. So I thought that was, that was cool. And I hope that's, I, I, I say, um, I say this a lot in these books, but like, I think there is a lot that's, you know, exciting. And I like about this world and I'm excited for you know the potential for this to be explored further like how did trace the the girl with the white kakari like she died but didn't really die how did she go to be like a leader of these strangers and like you get a little glimpse of who they are when when dorian like raises one who's looks like kind of like this perfect human almost and like you know seems like is able to like reason I, I don't know. It it seems kind of it it was a small glimpse, but I'm interested in seeing more. No, I agree. The the um discovery of the lore of the world and and that investigation into because we hadn't got too much of that previously in the first two books. In, in the first book, there was almost, you know, really nothing. It was really just kind of focused on uh, you know, the coming of age with Kylar. And then um by the time we get into this one. I, I honestly feel like maybe this whole series would have just been would have been better with a fourth book, which is now I guess what we're getting. So maybe Brent Weeks agrees. <laughs> Wait, is this the is this the start of a new trilogy or is this just the fourth book? It's the, the start of a new trilogy. That's is it why for sure. It's a trilogy for sure. Oh, sorry, I don't, I don't know. know if it's a trilogy. It's the start of a new series. Yeah, because that's why Brent Weeks named it like night angel nemesis i think the publishers wanted to differentiate itself from the other books so it's kind of like a new like a new beginning i think it might also like you know make it so it's less daunting for new readers to jump in so it's mm -hmm. not like you know way of shadows shadows edge or between what was the last book called? beyond the shadows beyond the shadows so it's like no, no this this book is beyond the shadows right shadow's edge was book too yeah shadows so this book and so this book that brent weeks is writing kind of differentiates itself from yeah. these three books i i am pretty curious to see how much of a reset button he he pushes between books and how much he how much content is he going to bring back is he just gonna bring back kind of our returning cast of characters and reintroduce them like a few years into the future i assume there would be some kind of time jump especially at the end with the, you know, kind of with the next generation on the way. Or do you think it's going to be like a big time jump, like 200 years? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's not. I read the little blurb oh, okay. about what we can expect. So yeah, I, I guess if people don't want it's, to know, then we won't yeah. say, but it, it, it seems like it's pretty close by. It may even say exactly how many years I don't recall. I, I think I, I want to also... I feel like we need to save, we need to talk more about Kylar and yeah. his storyline. So I just want to say quickly, another thing that was very abrupt was 
that you're forging this like legend, like almost the same exact blade as he basically forged Seer Kalestos uh-huh. based off Karak. And we didn't see like any of that process. He just like tells us like, I had to look, I had to go find like the writings of like Ezra the Mad or whatever and like figure out how he forged it and then do it myself. And we didn't see any of that. I would have liked to see more of it. Yeah, forging cool weapons is a cool thing to put in your yeah. fantasy book series. Anyways, let's let's uh let's get back to our main our main man Kyla. Yeah, well, I just wanted to point out that I think it does say something about more of the book than us as reviewers that like Kylar is kind of this for what 30 40 minutes into this chat before we even like are mentioning Kylar. And I think that is because the book like kind of strayed away from him a little bit. And the parts with Kylar, I found really compelling. I really liked, you know, Kylar. Mm. I thought the most compelling part was him killing Tara and then the Logan's decision of what to do with him and his decision to sacrifice himself on the wheel and that whole, you know, torturous death sequence. I thought all of that and and like Vi's connection to him during that, I thought that that was all the best That's part really of the cool. book. Yeah. I did. I, I, I really liked that. And I'm glad you brought that up because I felt like, you know, it, for the right thing for Kylar to do, like if he was like this, just, you know, saint of a person, the right thing would have been like so many other authors would have been like, Kylar's going to kill her. And then at the last second, he decides like, you know what, like, Lo- like this is Logan doesn't want me to do this. Like it's the board, it's the wrong thing to do. And like, so I'm just not going to do it. And, but no, Kylar, follows through he's doing what he thinks is best even though logan was like no i'm gonna kill you if you do it he's like well this is gonna save more people and so he like he kind of kills her in a little bit of a like brutal way (laughs) or just like he seduces her and then her brother barges in and like is gonna kill her and he's like no i'm gonna save you and then he kills her and then the brother ends up committing suicide anyways i I like that sequence of events because it wasn't what I expected to happen. So, so here's, I, I think that that's great. I think that w- would have maybe even elevated that a little bit more is if Kyler finds out that his death kills somebody he loves, like right before that happens. Right. Cause yeah, then he's kind of like, true. cause right now, cause at that point in the book, you're kind of like, yeah, well fine. Like he'll kill, he'll kill her. But Logan can like, you know, like he's a good ruler by killing his best friend. And like, mm-hmm. and but we know that Kyler, like, cool, it's a good plan. But like, if there would have been a, if you have found out right before he dies that like, oh, dang, he is sacrificing now somebody that he loves, then it's like, oh, dang, like, is he still going to go through mm. with this? Da, da, da. But I, I mean, I, I think that it was like an eight out of 10, that whole event, um, like that series of events. But I feel like it could have been like much punchier if like, if that would have been, you know, revealed to us or to Kylar, maybe even to right. us as a reader, like some somehow off screen, we found that out. And so we know it's going to happen, but Kylar doesn't know it's going to happen. Like something mm-hmm. like that would have been maybe a little bit more compelling for me, but that's nitpicky. Do you think I think he, it worked really well. Do you think he would have gone ahead and killed her if he had found that out before? Not know. if, no, I don't think. I not think if it was, was Elaine. Not if he knew it was going to be If, if he knew it was like somebody close to him, I don't think he would have because Kylar is the type of guy who's willing to sacrifice himself. Yeah. I think a more interesting question would have been like, if Kylar knew that by sacrificing himself, he wouldn't come back to life, would he do it? Yeah, because, but then I think that he would pretty easily. 
You think? Because well, he did it in the first book. Yeah, I guess. Much. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think yeah. I think that was already explored a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would have as well. He, yeah, he he does seem like a very self-sacrificing guy, but not someone who would sacrifice his friends, like you said. One one thing that uh, surprised me, even on my reread, I totally forgot was after he dies that time, the wolf is like, "Don't you know?" Like, and then Kyler remembers like the note that was covered in blood left by Durzo. I totally forgot about that note. And I wish maybe it had like reminded us a bit more about that, like the mystery mm. of it. Um, you know, like Logan or Logan Kylar would think back at certain points, like, I wonder like what Durzo like had left me. Like his last words to me must have been important. Like what, uh-huh. what had they been? So it's it's kind of I don't know, a w- little weird where they're like everybody assumes he knows. Or I guess by everybody, I mean the wolf and like doesn't say anything. Yeah, but again, yeah. that just seems really sketchy. Like, is the wolf really not going to say something like at that point? Like, just assumes that Kyler is that bad of a person that, yeah, I don't, know. I don't. Does the wolf seems kind really of care to tell him? Yeah, he he was like, dev- he was like devastated when he found out that Kyler didn't know. Yeah, he was, he felt, he felt really sad for Kyler. Yeah. You think he would have tried to like talk him out of it? I think he, yeah, I think he just saw Kyler as a monster. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I think the um, the thing that I like, and I mentioned this earlier, is I, I thought the connection that him and Bai had as he was dying was really cool. And mm-hmm. I think this just kind of further cements, at least my opinion from the previous book, that Kylar and Bai are a much better match for each other than Kylar and Alina are. <laughs> Oh, okay. This brings us to kind of the cringiest part of the book is uh, by allowing Kylar to like have sex with Aline while she like holds on to the bond. So like he doesn't know like that. That was all just like really weird. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It it all felt just like wish fulfillment. Like, oh, I'm going to end up with the with the hot chick, but I'm going to, you know, get the, you know, like be able to be with the other hot chick chick that i love you know i don't know it's just kind of like it's it's just it just felt very wishful film fulfillment like i have i can have my cake and eat it too and i I don't Mm -hmm. know it was just like they've set up this dichotomy the whole series and now you're just like okay we'll take a few chapters and like kyler gets it both ways and i get that like we'll get into the child stuff later like I thought that that was cool, but like I don't know, it's just just felt really weird. Just felt weird. Well, yeah, I don't disagree. I I also thought it was yeah. I I don't think there's much more to say on that personally because I I agree. It was it's it's it seems like I don't know a weird way to justify like the whole process. It's, yeah, it's wish it seemed like wish fulfillment. Like a teenage boy is like, oh yeah, like later on like after the girl i'm with dies like and she's dying we all know like i'm gonna i'm gonna have sex with her and we're gonna have an amazing love life but then after she dies like i'm gonna get with you in a way that's like justifiable in quotations yeah yeah and because it's not like kyler did anything wrong it's just like the situation works out perfectly for yeah yeah it's just like oh yeah here's very this very convenient way and everybody's cool with it like Mm -hmm. 
It just seems really weird that Vi would have yeah. been cool with this. Like that doesn't, it doesn't no, really I, jive with her character as much. Maybe. I don't know. I think, I mean, like, I guess it was Vi, cool. Well, her character her changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess she felt super guilty over the whole thing. So but, yeah. Okay. And, and, and Aline was so nice. And, and there, there are, know. there are parallels between this and another major series that I'm not going to spoil, but it's kind of just like, it handled better there than here <laughs> yeah maybe, like a little bit better yeah a little a little bit but there, there's more time it's it's there's more time devoted and you know the characters a lot better and like you, you get their reasoning a lot more than just like okay here's two chapters where they're living in this monastery type or this magic school type place where everything's gonna yeah. work out hunky-dory yeah i don't know i just think it would have been cooler to explore the differences between Vi and Alina a little more and just kind of like make Kyler have to deal with the realities of this love triangle that have been created, you know, with, with this magical bond rather than like you say, giving him his cake and letting him eat it too. So I, I feel like he shouldn't have been able to be with Alina. He would have had to continue to deal with this issue with Vi and have to, I don't know, make some kind of choice as part of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's kind of freed from both the difficult choice and the consequences. Yeah. yeah. But the other issue with this whole this part was the pacing just slowed down so much. It did. With Ky- with with Kylar and Kylar like we said, I I think you know, we all really liked his plot up until this point and then the pacing just goes really slow with him and then it speeds up with all these other plot lines, kind of compresses a whole bunch and then it just kind of throws it all together at the end and Yeah. And this was my biggest issue with the book. Yeah, it's like, okay, now we're going to have like 10 chapters of like tower politics, you know, like of, okay, now we're going to have this kind of convoluted plan of like Vi is going to lead this faction and they're going to like have this yeah. way to get against these accords that like you don't really care about as a reader. You're just like, oh, okay. Uh, like, I think I remember these being mentioned, but now apparently they're important. And we're going to have several chapters de- like devoted to coming up with a way to circumvent uh-huh. them. And introduce like three new characters that you don't really care about, but are going to be important for it. I don't know. It's just that was that was I didn't even think about that. But you guys like it, it is a good point where it slows down significantly. I enjoyed the slowdown, but I guess because of the amount of time taken up there, you need to take you need to shorten the amount of time devoted to other things. So I I, I enjoyed the time like outside of the, you know, like the by like letting Kylar and Elaine sleep together, I thought it was kind of cool to see Kylar don't, maybe like. Don't take let a Sydney little... hear this, Ryan. I, I thought it was cool to see <laughs> Kylar take a back seat, and we learned more about these, like the the chantry oh. politics, okay, um, for a bit. But maybe it's out of it's out of place, I guess. Again, like it all worked, but d- did it do? Did it need to be there? And would it have? improved if it wasn't there you know it's kind of like it's kind of like with the solon stuff like did it like did it all make sense and like can you track Mm -hmm. it yeah like i'm sure that but did it all really need to be there let's jump into the the end conflict just because a lean was just so it was so weird how she's like i'm gonna run away Vi helps her run away and so you're like you find out, oh yeah, she, she ran away. And then it's like the next time you see her, it's like she was captured and she's already yeah. like being presented. To, it's like, like, yeah, I, I, you were just, you were just there and now you're here. So, so I thought yeah. I missed something. Cause I, um, 
all, all I was like listening to this like as I was falling asleep, but I I, I did pretty good. Like I would let my sleep timers would only be for like ten or fifteen minutes, so at most I would make, miss like ten or fifteen minutes and go back. <laughs> and what like you know, okay, judge me all you want, but like I was uh, like I was like my sleep t- timer must have failed me, and I like, went back and like re-listened to like two chapters. I'm like, no, that's just what happened. Like I'm like I must have missed like some scene with Aline, but no. It just okay. She's gone, and now she shows up, captured, and and I think the, what Aline does, like right when she's captured, I mean, I guess it fulfills her like deepest desire. But I thought that it was like very out of character for like anybody. You like you're confronted with this like evil being, and they're like, "What if I said you could live forever?" Or, like, and she's what like, "What would you do?" I'd love that very much. Yeah, I'd love that very much. It's like. It, I think like any character would be like, well, what's, what's the catch? Like, I'm not just gonna mm-hmm. yeah. uh, just jump, jump at any opportunity. And so I was like, that just seemed out of character for like anybody. Yeah. Especially I mean, for I Lee. feel like the way it was explained at the end was she, she went along with it because she knew that she, yeah. the pieces would be put in this way where Kylar would need to kill her and he would do it because he would do the right thing thus kind of saving the world right which which i thought was you know kind of a it worked cool theme right yeah but how did she know that that like how is this her plan like how did she have this information i, I think she generally just thought that if she she knew that it would uh that there would be a body that would be needed to bring what's her collie 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 and she figured that because she was so pure in heart, da, 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 that she would be able to like have some way to stop her. See, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that enough. Aline thinks of herself as being pure in heart, right? If you're that pure in heart, you're, you're probably pretty well, humble about it too. I think more, maybe she's like, cause you know, she has belief in her God yeah, and that everything's going to work yeah. out. So I think she had faith that like, maybe I, I, and I didn't really think about this until Josh brought up his point. So I just kind of formulated this. Maybe she was like, I'm going to be an instrument in God's hand to like help Kyla or, you know, take yeah. this person down. I don't know exactly how. So, so I don't really want to compare this like Brandon Sanderson too much, but we, we talked about this where like Sanderson tries to structure his ending. So like 10% of his audience can like predict what's going to happen. 80% of the, his audience, like, realizes what's happening during like the climactic scene as it's happening and then like 10 percent of the audience is just like oh dang i don't know what happened i need to reread it yeah. look it up on <laughs> and i think sanderson like nails that for almost like for most of his books this one i feel like there is no way to predict like really what was gonna happen with like with eileen like you, you knew that she had a plan but you didn't really know how that would work out like i don't think there's really any way to piece those pieces together before the events like transpired Maybe I mean I like I wasn't like I said I wasn't like pouring over these yeah words but like you know no I agree and this kind of goes back to to my core you know issue with this book which was I feel like the ultimate conflict was never really clear until we got to the very end and then you're like okay here's what's here's what's going on but throughout you know the beginning middle you're just kind of along for the ride you knew that something big was brewing but really it just wasn't enough with the i feel like the nef data verdmeister titan kroll thing like that really needed to be hammered more 
and make me think that this is going to be a big issue. It's going to destroy the world. And how are we going to stop this? No one knows it's coming, right? We have uh, Dorian starting up his new thing over here in Calador. And is he being corrupted? Is he going to be able to help in time? Kylar doesn't know what's going on, but you know, him and Logan are working together to bring Scenaria. Like they, they could have, like the pieces were all there. They were there. Yeah. Yeah. It, they spent, okay. Dang, I, I don't want to keep criticizing it because I, I think that like a lot of this did work fine. Like, especially for, I keep having to remind myself that this was written before Lightbringer, right? It was the first like ending to a trilogy. Mm-hmm. So, so these criticisms are all like, this could like, uh, this was good. It could have been like great slash amazing. I think the interesting thing about this, Josh, is that Weeks was originally planning Lightbringer to be a trilogy and then decided to make it five books. And maybe he made that decision because looking back at Night Angels, he was like, dang, like I had all this content. I needed more books. I think if if he decided to do five books for Night Angel, he would have had time to really like build mm-hmm. each of these things out more in, in a really you know much more satisfying way to end it all. Well, like another example is when they they kill i keep forgetting this the big baddie's name neftada or kali no kali yeah kali like they brought up like oh i i was hoping that when we killed kali that all the curls would just die as well and then that didn't happen so that's kind of like a cool inversion of like kind of a trope you know like the white walker trope Mm -hmm. so i was like oh sweet like that didn't happen that's cool maybe it's gonna end with them still having to like have this army on their of crawls on their doorstep but no it's just like okay you read a few more pages and then it's like some other magical thing happens that wipes out the army of crawls which again was cool but it's like you had like this really kind of compelling inversion of a trope that just is kind of like solved a few pages later yeah i mean and honestly i think it's probably a little unfair because we're coming at these a lot of we're coming at really every series with the perspective of we've read and reviewed really kind of like all the top stuff in fantasy and so when, you know, when it's the first series and when it's really what, 15 plus years old at this point, like there's going to be plenty of things to mm-hmm. nitpick on, but I think overall, you know, for a first trilogy, for something that maybe people pick up in their younger years, like there's certainly a big audience um, for these books. And I think plenty that would enjoy it. And I think all of us enjoy yeah. reading the books, but at the same time, um, maybe we tend to be a little more critical at heart yeah i think we were very critical of the kind of nitpicky plot elements of this book um i think that this like daniel green mentioned this in the last video of like books that would be do really well being made he was talking about lord of the rings but uh, like this would be such a great adaptation like it would print money i think you know i think that there's enough here that like it would put like it would get people to come out and like go to see whatever a tv show or a movie trilogy or something teenage boys would love it yeah there's there's enough uh-huh. conflict there's enough lore built out there's enough there, yeah. there's opportunity to tweak some of these things we've talked about to really kind of nail it but, yeah i think this books these books show brent week's strengths as an outliner you know i think that that there are like a lot of really compelling like bullet points that you're like you can like take a lot of these like the stronger bullet points and apply them to the movies and then maybe change a little bit of like the transitions and or like where you emphasize like developments. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I, I think that that aspect. And um, I think he shows that once again in Lightbringer, he's a good outliner and he's getting better at filling in this outline. Yeah. 
I, I, I think it just shows like, I mean, not, and, I, and I guess he, it's all hard, but. Well, and he does a really, really good job at just writing those story. Like he has enough wit that I'm like, okay, that was cool. That was clever. He has like some insights, some philosophies and like little armchair philosophy sprinkled in characters are compelling. Mm-hmm. Like he has a lot of these basics really, really down. And like, he has a long career in front of him. He's like, he's a younger guy, right? Like he still has a lot more time to write. Yeah, it's probably yeah, like 40s. I mean, maybe like forties. He's not like at the ending of his career, you know. I think he was probably in his like late twenties when yeah, he wrote 40, these books. He's forty-five. So I mean, yeah, he still has like you know another hopefully you know twenty years or whatever to really keep keep writing in his prime. And and I I fully expect that he's going to put out some some bangers in the coming years. And that and yeah. this was like like this is a banger. It was great. He's done a really good good series. So we've uh we've in the last two videos we gave our best score out of ten. Have you guys considered at all what you'd give this book out of ten? Uh, I'm going to seven. That's it's right. Six more six point five to seven than like seven to seven point five. I'm gonna have to say honestly, it's it's probably a six for me. I and I was probably the most critical, but uh, you know I feel like I was honest. That was my opinion. I think um, I think this is gonna be a seven and a half because. I think there's a lot of interesting things there for me that I like is just the execution, different points and places was um, not quite as much as I'd hoped. And I think, I think it was mainly just the volume of, of plot elements he had in here. There were so many interesting things. He didn't have enough time to explore them. So I think that he Mm. should have either extended the series or cut some of these elements out. I'll just say, regardless of our kind of, you know, meh rating of th- this book, especially, um, I think ratings were a little bit higher for previous. We're all pretty excited for the next book oh, yeah. to come out. I think a lot of that is because of our enjoyment over Lightbringer. Um, at least it is for me. Um, and I, you know, I assume I have, I have faith in, um, in Brent Weeks to produce another good book. So I'm looking forward to Night Angel Nemesis. Honestly, for me, my my looking forward to it is because of Kylar. Like, I think he created a really compelling character throughout these three books. And that's the biggest knock for the third book is it didn't have enough Kylar and the parts, most of the parts with Kylar, minus the parts that we kind of talked about, mm-hmm. were really strong. And so if we get another book that's Kylar-centric, then it's going to be good. I'm also excited to um, for more some more Vi. Mm-hmm. For sure. I feel like this next series really has the potential to kind of, you know, unleash her as a, she's a complicated character and she's just kind of figuring herself out really in, mm-hmm. in the second and third book. And I would assume going into the fourth book, you know, she'll continue to have all those complex issues going on, but she'll also be more center stage. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys want them to be together? Do you want them to, like what what are you guys hoping will be the you know continuation of their relationship like at least at the beginning leading into it the next i think year. it should be maybe a bit more even like right now it's kind of like is just like head over heels for kylar and kylar's like i got this other girl i don't want it to be like now they get together you know obviously there's got to be mm-hmm. some tension in the relationship i think that Vi needs to figure herself out before she gets in a relationship with she, Kylar. She does then, need to take some time for herself. And then at that point, 
I think that she shouldn't just like throw herself at Kyler. You know, there needs there, there needs to be some like back and forth. Yeah. For a really interesting relationship. I really hope that the magical bond gets nerfed or broken at well, some point. Well, that is broken, right? The the rings fell out, right? Yeah, the oh, rings yeah, fell right. out at the end. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. so my hope is already there. Yeah. That's good. Dang. So there we go. Our wish granted already. I, I kind of hope that they are positioned at uh, working against each other for some of the books slash series i think that that would be really interesting to read like maybe they have separate contracts or working for separate people i don't know if i want kyler just mm-hmm. to go back to being a wet boy or whatever but like i think that something that positions them against each other for a book would be really really mm-hmm. compelling hey I, I do hope that they also have that like romantic tension and and that keeps going yeah, as well. yeah we got we got to have but, that got to have the romantic tension of course but yeah. but like there's a similar aspect and i don't want to spoil this series at all but and kind of how it's handled in um gentleman bastards um i think would be really an interesting interesting uh, yeah. way to sure do this yeah. as well yeah 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 and i'm assuming that the you know the child kylar and aline's child is gonna play into all of these dynamics somehow and i'm interested to see how they figure out that this child is actually Kyler's. I forget who's the one that put put it together at uh, the end. Vi, Vi put it together. Vi right? put it together. So Vi, Vi kind of knows, but they don't have paternity testing. Yeah, she knows. I think it was Vi that put it together. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm pretty All sure. Right. There's only so much you can fit in our fantasy, the fantasy <laughs> portion of our brains, I guess. If you're listening, tell us how this is going to work out because yeah, there's no paternity testing. I had a similar question on another series, which I won't spoil, but Wait, another they do have paternity testing. Are we kidding ourselves? They literally did it in this book. They did the paternity testing with Solon. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The blue mages or whatever. They <laughs> they know how to do it. Sorry. I got I got really excited, but I was like, You're right. We're wrong. Right. They do. Real, yeah. real quick this is something i've been wondering and i know we need to wrap up is this meant to be a futuristic earth i don't yeah, like I they, don't they have like i, I feel like they have so. ref, they have like references to what it seems like it's the is the bible sometimes and they they're i don't know i just i remember reading some references that kind of i didn't get that vibe you're thinking it's another kind of broken earthish yeah mark lawrence uh, anyway. i don't i know i didn't really get that vibe either yeah okay well let us know if you had a different opinion because you know i think a lot of people are are fans of the series and don't always appreciate when we're not as positive but we're happy to hear your opinions <laughs> and uh you know we are excited for night angel nemesis and um and look forward to getting that one in about a month so uh maybe also let us know your fan casting for the tv Ooh, series that's a good one put yeah. that in the comment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gotta have some uh, some sexy characters yeah, all around. Right. Oh, oh really. yeah, the, Bryce Dallas the, for Vi. Bryce Dallas. She's too. She's too she's old. Too old man. Yeah, you're right. That was stupid. <laughs> I, I was just thinking of hot redheads. Yeah, I, I you think need that, uh, Karen Karen Jillen uh, or whatever her name she's is. She's still pretty one. old too. Yeah, but I don't. I don't yeah, know she her. she's she's in Jumanji. She's a uh, uh, Nebula. Nebula. In yeah, Marvel. Although you may have a hard time recognizing her because she's Nebula. I feel like you're you're you gonna need to pull from like some Riverdale characters and stuff like that. You know, go go like uh-huh. Josh just Tune in next out time some... for our fan casting of <laughs> Red Wings uh, Night Angel trilogy. 
Just kidding. All we're right. Not doing that. <laughs> All no, right. We're, we're not. We're not doing that. <laughs> okay. On that note, see you later. See you guys. Bye. Bye.